Classic horror stories. The Queen of Spades. At a house at Navalva, a cavalry officer, the long winter night had been passed in gambling. At five in the morning, breakfast was served to the weary players. The winners ate with relish. The losers, on the contrary, pushed back their plates, sat brooding gloomily. Under the influence of the good wine, however, conversation then became general. Well, Serene, said the host inquiry. Oh, I lost as usual. My luck was abominable. abominable. No matter how cool I kept, I never win. How is it, Herman? You never touch a card, remarked one of the men, addressing a young officer of the engineering corps. Here you are with the rest of us at five o'clock in the morning, and you have never played nor bet all night. Play interests me greatly, replied the person addressed, but I hardly care to sacrifice as necessaries of life for uncertain superficialities. Herman is a German, therefore economical. That explains it, said Roski. But a person I can't quite understand is my grandmother, a Countess Anne, Anna Ferondera. Why, inquired a chorus of voices. I can't understand why my grandmother never gambles. I don't see anything very striking the fact that a woman of 80 refuses to gamble, objected Navova. Have you ever heard a story? No. Well, then, listen to it. Again, with, with 60 years ago, my grandmother went to Paris, where she was all the fashion. People crowded each other in the streets to get a chance to see the Moscovite Venus, as she was called. All the great ladies played for Argo. Then, on one occasion, while playing with the Duke of Orleans, she lost an enormous sum. She told her husband of the debt, but he refused outright to pay it. Nothing could induce him to change his mind on the subject. Grandmother was at her wit ends. Finally, she minded remembered a friend of hers, Count St. German. Maine, you must have heard of him, as many wonderful stories have been told about him. Said have discovered the elixir of life, the stone, and many other equally marvellous things. He had money at his disposal, and my grandmother knew it. She sent him a note asking him to come to see her. He obeyed her summons and found her in great distress. She painted the cruelty of her husband in the darkened colours and ended by telling the Count that she depended upon his friendship generosity. I could lend you the money, replied the Count, after a moment of thoughtfulness, but I know that you would not enjoy a moment's rest until you've returned it. It would only add to your embarrassment. There's another way of feeling yourself, but I have no money at all, insisted my grandmother. There's no need for money. Listen to me. The Count then told of a secret, a secret which any... Any of us could give a great deal to know. The young gamblers were all attention. Chomsky lit his pipe, took a few whiffs, then continued. Next evening, Grandmother appeared at size at Queen's gambling table. The Duke of Orleans was a dealer. Grandmother made some excuse for not having brought any money and began to punt. She chose three cards in succession, again and again, winning every time was soon out of debt. A fable, remarked Herman. Perhaps the cars were marked. I hardly think so, replied Toski, with air of importance. 
So you have a grandmother who knows the three winning cards. You haven't found out the magic secret. I must say I have not. She has four sons, one of them being my father, all of whom are devoted to play. He never told a secret to one of them. But my uncle told me this much on his word of honour. Tversky, who died in poverty after having squandered millions lost at one time, at play nearly 3,000 rubles. He was desperate, and grandmother took pity on him. He told him three cards, making him swear never to use them again. He turned to the game, staked 50,000 rubles in each card, came out ahead after paying, off, paying his debts. As the day was dawning, the party never now broke up, each one draining his grass and taking his leave. The Countess and Verona was seated before her mirror in the dressing room. Her dressing room, three women were assisting her at toilet. The old Countess no longer made the slightest pretensions to her beauty, but she was too clung to all the habits of her youth and spent much time in her t- toilet as she had done six years before. At the window, a young girl, a ward, sat on her needlework. Good afternoon, Grandmother, cried a young officer. I have just entered the room. I have come to ask you to favour you. What palaver, hello? I want you want to be allowed to present one of my friends to you, to take away take you to ball on Tuesday night. Take me to the ball and present him to be to me there. After a few more remarks, the officer walked up to the window, where they rested Nerova sat. Whom do you wish to present? asked the girl. Nerova, do, do you know him? No, he's a soldier. Yes, he's an, an engineer. No, why do you ask? The girl smiled and made no reply. Pavel Togotsky took his leave and left to himself. herself. Easter glanced back at the, out the window. Soon a young officer appeared at the corner of the street. The girl blushed and bent her head low over her canvas. His appearance of the officer had become a daily occurrence. The man was totally unknown to her. She was not accustomed to crocheting over his soldiers she saw on the street. She hardly knew how to explain his presence. His persistence finally roused in it an interest entirely strange in her. One day she even ventured to smile. Ponomara, for such he seemed to be. Reader needed, need hardly be told that the officer was no other than Herman. There would be Gemler, whose imagination had been strongly excited by the story, by Trotsky, the three, three magic cards. I thought Cant- old Cantus would not reveal the secret to me. Why not try to win the goodwill, apparel of a sympathy? With this idea in mind, he took his daily station before the house, watching a pretty face at the window, and trusting to the fate to bring about the desired acquaintance. One day, as Aristava was standing on the pavement, about to enter the carriage after the Countess, she felt herself jostled. A note was thrust into her hand. Turning, to, she saw the young officer at her elbow, as quick as thought, she put the note in a glove and entered the carriage. On a return from the drive, he hastened to her chamber and read the missive in a state of excitement mingled with fear. It was a tender and respectful dedication of affection, copied word for word from a German novel. Of this fact, Lisa, of course, ignorant, 
young girl was much suppressed by the missive, but she felt that the writer must not be encouraged. She therefore wrote a few lines of explanation. The first opportunity dropped it, a letter out the window. The officer hastily crossed the street, picked up the papers and entered the shop to read them. In no wise daunted by his rebuff, he found the opportunity to send her another note in a few days, see no reply, evidently understanding female heart, persevered, begging for an interview. He was awarded by at last by the following. Tonight we go to the Bassett's Hall Ball. It shall remain until two o'clock. I can arrange for a meeting in this way. After our departure, the servants will probably go out or go to sleep. At half past eleven, enter the vestibule boldly. If you see anyone, inquire for the Countess. If not, ascend the stairs. Turn the left and go on until you come to the door, which opens the bedchamber. Enter this room, and for the screen, you will find another door leading to another corridor. This borrow staircase leads to my sitting room. I suspect to find you there on my return. Herman trembled like a leaf. The appointment hour drew nearer. He obeyed instructions fully. As he met no one, he reached the old lady's bedchamber without difficulty. Instead of going out of the small door behind the screen, however, she sealed herself to the closet to await the return of the old countess. The hours dragged slowly by. At last he heard the sound of wheels. Immediately lamps were lighted and servants began moving about. Finally the old woman tottered into the room, completely exhausted. Her women removed her wraps and proceeded to get her in readiness for the f- night. Herman watched the proceedings with curiosity, but unmingled with suspicious fear. Suspicious fear. At last, she was attired in cap and gown. The old woman looked less uncanny when she wrote her wore a ball dress in a, a blue bocorocade. She sat down in an easy chair beside the table as she was in habit of doing before retiring. And a woman withdrew, and an old lady sat swaying to and fro, seemingly oblivious to her surroundings. Herman crept out of his hiding place. A sight noise, the old woman opened her eyes and gazed at intruder with half-dazed expression. Have no fear, I beg of you, said Herman. A calm voice, I have not come to harm you, but I ask the favour for you instead. Countess looked at him in silence, seemingly without comprehending him, how Herman thought she might be deaf, so he put his lips close to her. A repeated remark, the listener remained perfectly mute. You could make my fortune without it costing you anything, pleaded the young man. Only tell me the three cards which are sure to win, and her pause the old woman over the lips as if to speak. Is it only a jest, I swear to you? Is only a jest came from the withered lips. There was no dress, there was no jesting about it. Remember, Tversky, who thanks to you, was able to play his debts. Expression of inferiority.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aggravation passed over the face of the old woman, then she relapsed into a form of apathy. Will you tell me the names of the magic cards or not? asked the woman after pause. There's no reply. The old man then drew a pistol from his pocket, exclaiming, You old witch, I'll force you in to tell me. Sight the weapon the captain gave his second sign of life. She threw back her head and put out her hands as if to protect herself. Then he dropped. And she sat motionless. Herman grasped her arm roughly, and about to renew his threats, he saw that she was dead. Seated in a room, still in a horrible breast, the female gave herself up to reflections. She had expected to find a young officer there, but she felt relieved to see that he was not. Strange enough, the very night at the ball, Trusky had rallied her, rolled about her preferences for the young officer, showing her. He knew more than she supposed he did. To whom he's speaking? She had asked in alarm, fearing her ventures had been discovered. A remarkable man was the reply. His name is Herman. Lisa made no reply. It's Herman, continued Trotsky's romantic character. He profiled Napoleon, the heart of Mr. Pusilis. He said he's at least three crimes on his conscience. But now, but how pale you are. It's only a slight headache, but why do you talk to me in this, Herman? Because I believe he has serious intentions concerning you. Where where have you seen me? He's seen me. A church patch on the street. Conversation was erupted, interrupted at this point. To the great regret of the young girl, Wojciechowski made a deep impression upon her. She realised how impertinently she had acted. You're thinking of this. And a great deal more when the door of the apartment suddenly opened. Herman stood before her. She drew back a slight of him. So she drew back a sight of him, trembling violently. Where have you been? she asked in a frightened whisper. In a bedroom, the countess, who she's dead, was a calm reply. My God, what are you saying? cried the girl. Furthermore, I believe I was the cause of the death. Words of Rusky flashed through Marisa's mind. Herman sat down and told her all. She listened with a feeling of terror and disgust. So those passionate letters, the oddest pursuit, were not the result of tenderness. Love is money that he desired. Poor girl felt she had in sense been accomplished to the death of a benefactress. She began to weep bitterly. Herman regarded her in silence. You are a monster, she exclaimed Lisa, drying her eyes. I didn't intend to kill her. The pistol was not even loaded. How are you going to go out of the house? inquired Lisa. It's nearly daylight. I intend to show you away the secret staircase while the Countess was asleep. So we would have to cross her chamber. Now I'm afraid to do so. Direct me. I'll find a way of us alone, replied Herman. She gave him minute, minute instructions, a key which to open the street door. The young man pressed a cold inert hand. Then they went out. The death of the Countess surprised no one. 
had been long been expected. The funeral was attended by everyone of note in the vicinity. Herman mingled with your throng without attracting special attention. After all his friends had taken their last look, deaf face, the young man approached her. He prostrated himself on the cold floor and made motionless for a long time. He rose at last with a face almost as pale as that the corpse itself went up the steps to look into the casket. He looked down, it seemed to him, a rigid face had turned his glance, mockingly closing one eye. He turned abruptly my way, made a full step and fell to the floor. He picked up, at the same moment Lizifa was carried out in a faint. Herman had not did not recover his usual composure. During the entire day, he dined alone on an out-of-the-way restaurant, drank a great deal, the hope of stifling, stifling emotion, wine only served to simulate his imagination. He turned home, drew himself, threw himself down on his bed without undressing. During the night, he woke with a start. The moan shone his chamber, making everything pearl plainly visible. Someone looked in the mirror window, then quickly disappeared to pay no attention to this. He paid no attention to this, but soon he heard a visible door open. He thought it was his orderly, returning late, drunk as usual. The step was a familiar one, and he heard a shuffling sound of loose slippers. The door of his room opened. A woman in white entered. She came close to the bed. A telephone man, man recognised the countess. I have to you against my will, she said abruptly, but I was commanded to grant you a request. The tray seven and ace in succession on the magic cards. Twenty-four hours must have elapsed. Eclipse between the use of each card, and after three have been used, you must never play again. Phantom then turned and walked away. Herman heard the outside door close again. She saw the form pass the window. He rose and went out to the hall, into the hall, where his orderly lay asleep on the floor. The door was open. Finding no trace of a visitor, he returned to his room, lit each candle, wrote down what he had just heard. Two fixed ideas cannot exist in the brain. At the same time, any more than two bodies cannot occupy the same point in space. A tray seven and eight soon chased away the faults of dead woman, all other faults from the brain. The young officer, all these ideas merged into a single one. How to turn to advantage the secret paid for, for Sir Dealey. He even thought of resigning his commission and going to Paris to false a fortune from, from conquered fate. Chance rescued him from his embarrassment. Trusting a man had passed his whole life at cards, opened a club at St. Petersburg. His long experience had secured him the confidence with his companions, sociability, and genial humour consolidated society. The guided youth flocked around him, neglecting society, preferring the charms of Rego or their sweethearts. Rescue invited Herman to occupy him to the club. The young man accepted the invitation only too willingly. Two officers found their apartments full. Generals and statesmen played whilst young men lounged on sofas, eating ices or smoking. In the principal saloon stood a long table at which twenty men playing Fargo, the host of the establishment, being the banker. 
He's a man of about sixty, grey-haired, respectable. His ruddy face shone with adrenal humour. His eyes sparkled. A constant smile hovered around his lips. Dovetsky presented Herman. The host gave him a cordial handshake, begged him not to stand upon salary, and returned to his dealing. More than thirty cards were already on the table. Dovetsky paused with one each coop to allow the punters time to recognise their gains. Losses politely, answering all questions and consistently smiling. After the deal was over, the cards were shuffled. The game began again. Permit me to choose a card, said Herman. Herman stretching out his hand over the head of the portly gentleman to reach a liveret. A banker bowed without replying. Herman chose a card and wrote the amount of his stake upon it. A piece of chalk. How much is that? asked the banker. Excuse me, but I do not see it well. Forty thousand roubles said Herman coolly, or wisely as he turned upon the speaker. He's lost his wits. He's lost his wits, thought Noreski. Allow me to observe, said Noreski, with eternal smile, that your stake is excessive. What of it, replied Herman, nettled. Do you accept it or not? A banker nodded in assessment. I only have to remind you that the cash would be necessary, of course. Your word is good. In an order to keep your confidence on my patrons, I prefer ready money. Berman took a banknote from his pocket, handed it to his toast, and let it examine it attentively, and laid it on the card chosen. Again, dealing to the right, a nine to the left, a tray. A tray wins, said Herman, showing the card he had held. A tray. A murmur ran through his crowd, to us he found for a second only. Then his smile returned. He took a roll of bank bills from his pocket and counted out the required sum. Had received it and once left the table. Next evening, saw him at the place again. Each one eyed him concurrently. Tversky greeted him cordially. He selected his card and placed upon it his fresh stake. And banker began dealing to the, to the right, a nine to seven, to the left a seven. Herman then showed his card a seven spot. The onlookers exclaimed. The host had been visibly disturbed. He counted it ninety-four thousand rubies and passed them to Herman, who accepted them without showing the least surprise and once withdrew. The following evening he went again. Perhaps was in a signal of cessation of all of all occupation. Everyone being eager to watch the developments of events, selected his cards of the on ace. And hit him again to the right, the queen to the left, an ace. The queen is wins, remarked, remarked Herman, turning up the card without glancing at it. Your queen is killed, remarked Tresky quietly. Herman trembled, looking down. He saw not the ace he had selected, the queen of spades. He could scarcely believe his eyes. It seemed impossible he could have made such a mistake. He stared at the card. It seemed to him the queen winked one eye at him mockingly. The old woman exclaimed involuntarily. The croupier raked in the money while he looked on it in stupid terror. When he left the table, all made for him to, to pass. Cards were shuffled and gambling went on. Herman became a lunatic. 
He was confined in a hospital in Lutifer. He spoke to no one, but constantly murmuring a monotonous tone, a tray, seven ace, a tray, seven queen.'